Hello, and welcome to In All Things, a podcast of the Evangelical Presbyterian Church, a global movement of Evangelical Presbyterian churches. Thank you for joining us. I'm Rachel Joseph. Your host for In All Things is Dean Weaver, stated clerk of the EPC. Our prayer is that God uses Dean and his guests to both inform and inspire you about how God is working in and through the EPC. The motto of our family of churches is, in essentials, unity, in non-essentials, liberty, in all things, charity. Now, here's Dean. Thank you very much, Rachel Joseph, and we appreciate that so much, and we appreciate you joining us again for another edition of In All Things, a podcast of the Evangelical Presbyterian Church. And if you've been with us for any period of time, you know that this podcast started with really a focus for the EPC to communicate about our leaders and our vision and to give people more information so they can be more connected to the life and work of larger church. But we also hope over time that as we have these conversations, there will be others who listen in over our shoulders and pay attention to what God is doing in the EPC and that it might be a blessing to them as well. And so as many of you are doing, please continue to like us on social, share us with your friends, get the word out there so that others could uh, be a part of these conversations as well. And I think today is one of those conversations uh, that whether you're in the EPC, whether you're in Central Florida, or or anywhere uh, following Jesus as your Savior, you're going to find there's some takeaways here. They're going to be super helpful uh, for your church, for you personally, and I think you'll just be encouraged by the conversation. So uh, stay with us today. So as uh, we are of late, our sponsors for our podcast have to do with a couple of the strategic, and we're starting to refer to them as gospel priorities inside the EPC because they really are the ways in which we carry the good news out to share with others. Uh, The Great Commission is uh, Jesus telling us that we should go to all the world with this good news, but the good news that we have to take with us to all the world is actually captured in several priorities we have as a denomination. And uh, one of those is church planting. Church planting is a significant way in which we can reach our neighbors, particularly those in our one and three and five mile radiuses, with the good news of Jesus Christ. In fact, many of our established churches can struggle to reach new people for Christ, and church plants oftentimes are able to break ground and go into places where there either isn't a church or where the church hasn't been effectively able to reach people, and sometimes it's with a particular focus, Sometimes it's a particular application, but church planting is one of our major emphasis at the EPC. We currently believe we have about 53 church plants, and we have about 630 congregations, so a little shy of 10%, and 10% is sort of our new emerging goal. We want to try to find more church planters, more churches that are interested in planting. And uh, you'll find in our conversation today, our, our, our friend that's visiting us in the studio is part of a church that has doubled down on that commitment to church planting and is really digging into that. So we may get into that as a part of our conversation. But we want every member, every church, every person who's connected to the EPC, our goal is to see every one of us, either a parent, partner, or a patron. That is to say, you're either supporting some kind of church planning ministry, you're collaborating with others doing so, or perhaps your church itself has decided that they want to uh, carry out the Great Commission in their community or some other community 
through the means of a church plant. One of the things I want to put on your radar regarding church planting is coming up this October, and we'll have maybe more information about this in future podcasts, we have a church planting retreat coming, and it's going to be out in, uh, I think it's in Cheyenne, Colorado, and uh, we'll be bringing in church planters from all over the country to encourage them, support them, renew them, and I will tell you, we always have need of funds to help support those church planters getting there so that we can uh, love them well, we can care for them well, we can encourage them and equip them. I know from the church planters I talk to, it is always a highlight of their year and a really important part of our ongoing um, recruiting development and, and just loving on our church planners. As it relates to church health, there are a number of initiatives under the, the church health uh, team uh, led by our national director, now Bob Stoffer. We've talked a great deal in the last number of weeks and months about the three circles, which is the EPC's new endorsed tool to uh, offer the gospel to people by way of evangelism. And uh, Tons of stories coming in, and in the in the near future, we're going to be capturing those stories, recording those stories, sharing those stories, because there are people literally coming to Christ like crazy. We're, we're, I mean, I think it's maybe too early to call it a revival, but we're hearing lots of stories from all around the country of people who are using this tool, and people are coming to Christ. And so um, you can, of course, find that on our webpage at epc.org. And you can go to the What We Do uh, tab at the top. And when you drop that down, the first thing you'll find is evangelism. And uh, you can click there and find a lot of the resources we have available uh, for the three circles. Uh, One of the pieces of information that Bob wants me to share with the rest of you is that we now have something we've never had before. The EPC now has 16 presbyteries. And we now have a church health coordinator in every presbytery. It's just stunning that that has happened in a short period of time. But those coordinators already in your presbyteries exist to help resource your churches in all of these kind of things, whether it's a a church assessment tool, transitional pastors, evangelism training, you name it, whatever it might be, um, they're there to help you. The next step, which has not happened yet, just starting, is to recruit coaches in each presbytery where the coordinators would send out coaches to come alongside of individual congregations to help them in the process of church health. So we're being super intentional about the idea that we want to see our existing congregations revitalized and we want to see new congregations planted all because that's the way God advances his kingdom is through the local church. Now, speaking of the local church, my friend who's in the studio today with me is Case Thorpe, Dr. Case Thorpe, and he was one of the moderators of the 40th General Assembly? 39th. 39th The longest-serving moderator oh, of you, the EPC. You love to say that. Well, my mother asked if I get paid for those three extra months. Remember, we didn't meet in June because of COVID, so it was September we were online, and I, I said yes, uh, zero dollars. Well, we'll double that. Okay, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the the longest and, and uh, the longest serving faithful moderator in the and EPC most paid and the most paid. <laughs> so Case is not only the moderator of our thirty ninth General Assembly. He is um, a senior associate pastor at First Presbyterian Church of Orlando, and you've worn a number of hats since you've been at First Orlando. You've really overseen the evangelism part of the church. You've overseen the mission outreach part of the church. And now you're doing some other things in the area of what's called the collaborative. And I'm going to want to bore down on that a little bit later. Sure. But I want to start, Case, with 
allowing our audience to get to know you a little bit. If they don't know you, and of course to know you is to love you, but if they don't know you, mm. help us to get to know you. Tell us about your family, your growing up in the faith, your call to the ministry, anything like that that will give us some context. Sure, sure. Well, thank you for having me. It's it's great to be here, and I love uh, the effectiveness of podcast. So I grew up uh, outside of Atlanta, Georgia, and I was the son of a Baptist mother and an Episcopalian father. And so they, a, mix, a mixed marriage a is mixed, what you're yes, saying. Yes, yes. Okay. I'm a theological mutt. Okay. I was actually baptized in a Methodist church and raised there east of Atlanta in a suburb until we followed our youth director to Smyrna Presbyterian Church, east side of Atlanta. Was raised there my middle school and high school years. A big part of my growing up was camp meeting. Old Southern Revival. Mm. So we began at a Methodist campground. It, it's an outdoor tabernacle with sawdust floors, worship three times a day, 7.30 in the morning, 11 in the morning, 8 at night. And it's a part of the Second Great Awakening in mm. the 1820s. And we actually have a little family cabin at that camp meeting. Okay. I've seen on, I think on your Facebook page, mm-hmm. you guys still go there. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it meets every summer for a week. It has continuously since 1827, except for the four years of the Civil War and the year of COVID. Wow. We did an online camp meeting. Okay. But when we moved to Smyrna Presbyterian Church, it also had a camp meeting. And it was one of two Presbyterian campgrounds in the country because, you know, the Presbyterians weren't so much into the revivalistic movement like the Methodist and Baptists. So one summer, I went to two weeks of camp meeting in a row and heard over 75 sermons. Wow. <laughs> And you lived to tell the story. I lived. I lived. It was actually in that Presbyterian tabernacle, though, that I had my call to ministry experience. Hmm. So on to college at Emory University in Atlanta. And that call to ministry experience was quite powerful and moving. And so I changed my major to religion and never looked back. Off to Princeton Seminary. And then First Presbyterian Baton Rouge was my first church of call. Okay. Okay. Who was the senior pastor there when you came? It was Russ Stevenson. Russ Stevenson. What wow. an amazing man yeah. to uh, shape and mold me in my earliest of years. And then I was there as Garrett Dawson came, who is okay. there now. All right. And uh, it was there that I met the amazing, the beautiful Jody Tomlinson. I'm just going to say for the audience, because this is an audio podcast, not mm. a visual podcast, mm-hmm. but uh, trust me when I say that 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 Case uh, married out of his life. <laughs> yeah, she's hot, <laughs> if I may say that. And she's brilliant, and oh, she's gifted she's and talented, and uh, I mean, she's a force to be reckoned with. Well, I'm very grateful for my wife, and so we had our first child, Alexandra, who is now a senior in high school. Amazing. Nine months later, we moved to First Presbyterian Orlando, Okay. and I've been here... Over 17 years now. Is that amazing? Two more boys. Charles is 16 and Brooks is 11. And doctorate at Fuller along the way. And then entry into the EPC in 2012. Hallelujah. Now, one of the things that I love about you, Case, is you're um, not only a great pastor, but you're you're a churchman. You really care about the church. You're invested in the church, both locally, regionally, globally, um, you have a comprehensive view of the church, and that has led you to serve uh, both as the moderator of our 39th General Assembly and our national leadership team. You're getting ready to come on our Fraternal Relations Committee. 
traveling over to, I think, Ireland to go be able to connect with some of our fraternal partners or potential fraternal partners. You just have a heart for this kind of thing. You're really active in the Presbytery here in Florida and the Caribbean. What is it that's led you to connect with the larger church? I mean, you're, you're a really gifted pastor, so why not just stay in the local church? Why have you been involved in both? Well, church as institution just really matters to me. I love everything from the little old ladies to the youth to everybody in between. I, I was on a, um, a ministry staff at one point, and I realized everybody in the room had come to Christ through a parachurch ministry, and I was the one who had come to Christ through the local church. And there was just a different level of, of patience and comfortability with a lot of church life. Hmm. And uh, in my childhood in the Methodist church, actually, it was pretty rough. My father had a number of severe uh, episodes with pastors. Even friends of my parents today wonder, why on earth would he be a pastor knowing what y'all went through? Right. So uh, I often say I'm not a church planner. I like churches with chimneys. Uh, and I love the challenge of moving a aircraft carrier for the 21st century. Hmm. So that, I think, just over the years has translated into an appreciation for the accountability and partnership we need to be effective in a region, the global relationships, which are so beautiful and necessary, that we have a lot to offer, but so much to learn from the rest of the global church. And however I can promote and nurture that, it's, it's just, I think, part of the biblical command and the, the example we have. So let's, uh, let's start locally. First Presbyterian Church of Orlando, where you serve, is super committed just not only to downtown Orlando. Uh, that was sort of the DNA blueprint that Howard Eddington founded in the church, and David Swanson has nurtured that beautifully and has become this flourishing, uh, important part of the downtown community. It mm -hmm. really is, whether it's ministry to the homeless, whether it's uh, the racial tensions that have existed and particularly have been highlighted these last number of years. Just being a faithful member of the downtown mm. community has been an essential part of First Presbyterian Church, right? Well, so when I came as the mission pastor at the ripe old age of 27-ish, uh, <laughs> I had never heard of Howard Eddington. I had never heard of First Pres Orlando. The first thing I had heard of it was when an associate pastor came back to Baton Rouge, having been here for the Citrus Bowl, and he had gotten up early to come to church and walked into our homeless breakfast that we still host. And he came back just ooh and eyeing over this amazing homeless breakfast. And so I was so taken with a church that paired passionate, deep work with the poor in the community with strong evangelism and solid theology. Unfortunately, those two had not been on the same track, and here a church seemed to do that. Well, so I came as the mission pastor, and I inherit both the local and the global portfolio, and they never even bothered to ask. I had never been on a global mission trip. <laughs> they hired youth and energy, not wisdom and experience. And Dean, this was the church of Vonette and Bill Bright of right. Campus Crusade. This is a church where uh, the president of Wycliffe Bible Translators attended. So uh, we have 25 to 40 uh, parachurch missionaries at all times yeah. in our congregation. Well, so Central Florida is like home to mm, a lot of global mission sending agencies. So I immediately felt my greenness and my immaturity. Well, it was Roberta Hestinus at Fuller Theological Seminary, uh, senior pastor at Solana Beach at one point, former head of Eastern University and even World Vision. 
took her lunch one day during class and I spilled my guts and I said, oh, Dr. Heston, <laughs> I am over my head. What do I do? And she said, okay, just turn right around and teach them everything you're learning here. My doctorate was in missional ecclesiology mm. and it's going to be fine. And she was right. And so after so many years of doing that, I added on the evangelism component and now dropped the mission as we have Tanner Fox, who's now the young green one, who's not so green. He's amazing. He's a rising star. He really is. And so I appreciate First Orlando's commitment to the city. Really to the whole area, because now you guys are starting to look at church planning. Mm. You're doubling down on looking very seriously, strategically at areas of the city that are underserved and where there's places where you guys could really make an impact for the gospel. Can you tell Mm. us a little bit more about that? Well, I really appreciate the three P's in church planning, parent, patron, and partner. And while we're at this stage of now being a parent, and First Orlando in its many years has had wonderful seasons of church planning. There are a number of churches in Central Florida for which, for whom we were the mother, but we haven't done anything in probably 35 years. Mm. And But now that I stand here and look back, for the last 10 years, we've really been a patron and moved into partnership in a lot of ways. So I guess for a church that might feel the burden of trying to get to the planting stage, well, it go slow, right. start and get there. So there are six different churches on the East Coast and in Edinburgh, Scotland, that we have heavily financially supported. And that has just naturally led into, when I say partnership, I don't mean we've partnered with other churches per se, but the friendship, the conversation, the learning from each other. And I count every one of those church planners as dear friends and buddies. We text all the time. Now we're at this point Coming out of COVID, blessed with some resources that with the session put $600,000 aside and we're putting that towards church planning. We are thinking of a brand new upstart on the west side of Orlando in a higher end area that has great growth and not enough churches. And then there is a church on the east side of Orlando that came to us with six acres, beautiful property, and they're down to about a dozen folks. Mm. And so we're in conversation. How might we partner, take them over in a way that's agreeable to bring some new life? And that's so important, Case, is that church planning is not monolithic. There's no one-size-fits-all. Uh, you have uh, some craft churches that are in designed to be small kind of boutique sort of focused churches. I mean, we have EP, we have an EPC church that's founded in a brewery. Oh, I've uh, been there. Yes, it's wonderful. Lazarus I, Brewery. Yes, and I have my little bourbon cup from there that is one of my favorites. <laughs> yes. So, but I think uh, you guys are looking at a brand new startup in an area and you're looking at coming alongside of a declining congregation in an area. So there's a lot of different ways in which churches could be a parent, patron, and a partner and um, so appreciate First Orlando's commitment, not just to the downtown community, but a whole metro Orlando and carrying the gospel uh, forward to them. Well, and even with our presbytery. So we've yep. helped bring about a director of church planning for a season. Now we've restructured that so that we're trying to jumpstart energy in church planning. And I hear the statistics for the EPC from 2007 when it was what, seven or eight church plants right. to now, like you say, 50 something. And um, 53 that we know of, Tom Ricks right. is very clear to say, we think there's more, but know, nobody's telling us. Well, and to watch Tom's leadership with the church planning team. And now he's in a, an official role. Like the movement is happening. Yeah. It's very exciting. And uh, everywhere I go, that's the conversation.
Yeah, yeah. There's definitely a church planting buzz out there, and that's. I think it's the growth edge of the church, mm-hmm. not just in the EPC, but I think in in general. And it, that has been the case in in China. It's been the case in Africa. It's been the case all over the world. We're just kind of catching up uh, a little bit. So Alan Hirsch, the theologian from Australia, says in one of his works that a church that's not planting a church is not a church. Mm. Wow. That the fundamental nature in the New Testament is replication. And that really challenged me. Yeah. And I know a lot of churches may think they have to get to perfect before they can replicate. But no, not at all. I would That's encourage- why I love the parent-patron partner thing. That's right. Because I think it gives That's you right. an on-ramp. It gives you something you can do. It's, some, right. it's some way you can get your toes in the water. And you don't have to be a big church. Right. So St. Columba's is on the Royal Mile in Edinburgh, Free Church of Scotland. It's actually between St. Giles, where John Knox is buried in the parking lot, and the castle. If you're ever in Edinburgh, go see them. I have stood on that very spot. They're about three, four hundred. Gorgeous old building that's been renovated, but they're not enormous. And their pastor has uh, helped to facilitate four different church plants. He just takes young guys under his uh, wing, and they find them the money, and they get them out there. And it, it's 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 not rocket science, and you don't have to be uh, big or with tons of money. You just have to have the leadership and the vision. So let me turn the corner a little bit because there's so many things. You're you're involved in so many things and so many gifts. Let me just, two more things I really want to touch on that I think are important. One is your unique role now at First Orlando as you work with the collaborative and you have this real heart for faith and work. Can you unpack what that is for Mm. people and why that's so important? So this is even in our evangelism department as a strategy. Mm. And the strategy is, frankly, from the top down in society. And I hesitate to probably say that outside the walls of the church because it doesn't need to sound elitist. But our mission work, understandably, is often from the bottom up to the poor, to the widow, to the orphan. But I don't know that anyone at First Pres Orlando in the mid-80s was sitting around saying, hmm, how do we make sure there's well-equipped Christ followers in the uh, president of the bank seats around town or on the different boards or making these major decisions. And so, um, and if we, you want to make systemic change to systemic change, right, then you're going to have to get the influencers and to be able to uh, keep the common good in a Christ like, hopefully direction. I believe dark times are coming for our culture. So we model ourselves after Redeemer's Center for Faith and Work in New York and uh, Tom Nelson's Made to Flourish work. We try to help people connect the dots between their faith and their work. And in the direction of cultural renewal, in the direction of institutional renewal and depth and effectiveness. So that work looks uh, very different for us as compared to some other wonderful faith and work ministries. We have not pioneered, but we have doubled down on fellowships. Mm. With my conviction that Sunday schools and small groups just aren't going to cut it anymore to train the kind of disciples we need. So a fellowship is a long-term engagement. Ours are 9 to 12 months with deep, deep community, deep theological formation and spiritual formation. Redeemer and Tim Keller have just so convinced me that you can pour a lot of stuff in the head, in the brain, in the intellect. And we Presbyterians are great at that. But Dean, I mean, look, I've got two holes in my nose and I've got two in my ear and one in my mouth. Like it leaks. (laughs) But if the heart is formed, if the spiritual formation is there, it's for a lifetime. And so 50% of all of our programs are as much prayer 
as they are learning. So we have a fellowship for artists. We have a fellowship for Christ-centered professional, the Gotham Fellowship. And then the Orlando Fellows is for recent college graduates who spend 10 months with us, live with a family. We help them get a job. They do a lot of uh, training discipleship-wise. The integration of faith and work is, um, and I'm sure you've probably read David Kinnaman's Faith for Exiles that Barna put out a little while ago, and they go through the five traits that they found in surveying um, the 10% of the millennials who stuck with the church. Mm. And they have a five things that Kinnaman and Matlock uh, say you must do in order to have resilient disciples, disciples who will endure over time. The fifth one is is a vocational discipleship, this yeah. idea of integrating faith and work. If you don't make that connection, That's right. if you allow for the sacred-secular split and people go out there and they see their, their secular life and their work life is one thing and their faith is the other, that staying power of that is is just, right. it, it doesn't last when the tough times come. And, and, and so, and, you know, uh, my favorite, one of my favorite quotes, Case, and it's kind of the one of the major motivations behind this podcast, in a sense, is the famous Abraham Kuyper quote when he says, "There is not one square inch of the creation where the sovereign does not declare mine." mine. That's right. Yes, that's and right. So to to reclaim all of life and to give Christians a robust discipleship that integrates faith and work. That is one way in which you serve not only your people, but the community, the church planning, the ministry to the people who are under-resourced and oppressed in your community. But I've always looked to First Orlando uh, as, as a guide in a lot of ways because we, uh, for years, I've been part of a group with your senior pastor, mm-hmm. David, where we would meet together every year as pastors of larger churches and discuss things. And I usually found that First Orlando was like a notch or two ahead of the rest of us and that I was always coming away with notes of, and I go back to my church and say, but this is what First Orlando is doing. Mm-hmm. This is what First Orlando is doing. You guys do so many things comprehensively well you're also a global church, right? You mentioned before helping to plant churches in Scotland, mm-hmm. but your your awareness of the global church and your place in it has led you, and this is kind of our uh, final place where we're going to land today, is on a conference, an assembly that's coming to First Orlando in October yes. as a part of the World Reformed Fellowship. Could you explain mm-hmm. a little about the WRF General Assembly? So the World Reformed Fellowship are Reformed denominations and churches around the world who have an affinity theologically and in the ministry direction, and so a relationship. We They gather once every four years for a general assembly. Now, their general assembly is not like ours. Ours is mostly business with some great content. Theirs is mostly all content with just a little bit of business. Right. And so October 27th through the 30th, Thursday through Sunday, there will be an array of speakers that beat the band. There will be some beautiful times of worship, great fellowship experiences. So Jerry, I am Mary and I went to Jakarta and represented the EPC a few years back. And while we had a great time, we came away not knowing anyone. So the fellowship part of it was a little, little short. So this year there's a lot more fellowship built in. But please, come see us in Orlando. It's going to be a great time. I have attended two myself. I did uh, the one that was before Jakarta was in Brazil. Mm. And I went to that with Jeff Jeremiah, our stated clerk. And then the one before that was in Edinburgh, Scotland, which was my first time in Scotland and had the chance to do that. And it is the global ecumenical group that Mm. the EPC Mm -hmm. is connected to because of the like-minded compatibility of evangelical, reformed, missional-thinking Christians around the world. But you guys have the the 
the gospel hospitality of inviting the world to come to Orlando and gives us the opportunity as the EPC really to be the host. So a key sponsor. Yeah. So folks could go to WRF.global and there you'll be able to see all the great speakers, uh, Diane Langberg, Andrew Walls, a number of speakers from Africa and South America. And the, the content alone is just going to be great. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. And what about uh, First Pres Orlando? If people wanted to explore and learn more about First Orlando, whether it's the collaborative mm -hmm. or church planning or the ministry they do in downtown, how, how would sure. they get a hold of you guys? I mean, email me, of course, cthorpe, fpco.org. But if you go to collaborativeorlando.com, I'd encourage folks to subscribe to our blog, our e-newsletter. We're about to drop a podcast called Nuance mid-September. Nice. And uh, these resources, we hope, are for the greater church and to help other faith and work ministries grow. Well, we love to be a podcast that supports other podcasts. So Nuance, uh, September 14th. It's Nuance, September 14th. All right. Well, maybe once that gets launched, maybe sometime later in the fall, we can have you back and we can talk about how that's going and just really dig down deep on that. Awesome. That thank you for fun. having me. Oh, thank you, Case. Appreciate having you here. It's a blessing as always. Well, all right, my friends, that wraps up another conversation. And uh, so grateful that you were able to join us, whether you were uh, on the Peloton or whether you were taking a walk around the lake or wherever you might be. Um, the fact that you took the time to sit in with us today on this conversation is a gift to us. And we hope that uh, it might be a gift that you'd be willing to share with others. So please, again, make sure to like us on social and share the word in all things, the EPC podcast and all of your favorite podcasting platforms. As we conclude our time together today, friends, we do as we always with the good word from God's word in Colossians 1. The sun is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things uh, the Greek word there, my friends, is tapontos. There's nothing outside of tapontos. It's inclusive of everything. All things have been created through him. Think about the comprehensive ministry of First Presbyterian Church Orlando. Caring for the arts, caring for the homeless, bringing the gospel into neighborhoods to the ends of the earth. All things have been created through him and for him. Because you see, he is before all things, my friends. And in him, all things hold together. For he is the head of the body of the church. That is our precious Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And it is his name. Until the next time we meet, grace and peace to you. Thank you again for joining us. On behalf of Dean and the entire team, we hope you will join us for our next episode of In All Things. For more information about the Evangelical Presbyterian Church, including a directory of local churches, online resources, and much more, visit our website at www.epc.org. I'm Rachel Joseph. I pray you have an overwhelming sense of God's presence in all things today.